Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When a young wife and mother of five attends a slumber party in Cumming, Georgia, and turns up dead, her loved ones begin to ask questions about the circumstances of her death. With conflicting witness statements, suspicious behavior of fellow party attendees, dubious detective work, and a disturbing history of racial conflict, people question whether her death was a result of an accident or something more sinister. I'm your host, Nisa. Welcome to the Lost Crimes Library podcast. This is the story of the suspicious death of Tamla Horsford. On the morning of November 4, 2018, Tamla Horsford was found dead in the backyard of a friend's home in Cumming, Georgia, where she was attending a slumber party with other football moms the night before. Tamla Horsford was a mother of five, a wife, and 40 years old at the time of her death. Tamla was born in St. Vincent and the Grenadines in 1978, where she lived until her family moved to the Bronx in 1989. Her life as a wife and mother began when she met her husband in Florida. Her husband had a daughter from a previous relationship, and the couple went on to have more children together, five sons. When Tamla died, her youngest son was only four years old. When the Horsfords moved to Georgia five and a half years earlier for her husband's job, it was the warmth that had attracted people to her. Tamla was the kind of mom who was very involved in her kids' extracurricular activities. And she also had a big heart. She was the type of person who just didn't like seeing anyone feeling down or in a bad mood. She liked to laugh, to dance, to have fun. On the night she was invited to celebrate another mom's 45th birthday party with a girls-only sleepover, Tamla was late to the party because she had been baking a casserole for her husband and her five sons. The goal of the slumber party was for these women and fellow moms to bond like teenagers and just have fun. I think the fact that Tamla was late to the party just shows how much she was committed to being a mother and a wife. She was late to a night that was meant to be a fun and relaxing time for herself, because she needed to take care of her family first. Tamla was invited to the party because the host, Jean Myers, 
had sons who played youth football together with Tamla's sons. Although Tamla wasn't well known with the other attendees of the party, and she was the only black person attending, it sounds like Jean felt Tamla was a fun person and she would just get along with everyone there pretty well. According to Jean, Tamla was a friendly woman, and she was always the life of the party, so it just made sense to extend an invitation. As I previously stated, Tamla arrived at the party late. The party was being hosted at Jean's house, and Tamla arrived there at 8.30pm on Saturday, November 3, 2018. Although the other women were dropped off by their husbands, Tamla decided to drive herself there, and when she got there, she was her normal, happy, and friendly self, introducing herself to everyone there, most of which she didn't know. She also put on her pajamas for the sleepover. She was wearing a white onesie with gray paw prints all over it. Although this party was supposed to be an all-women slumber party, Jean's boyfriend, Jose Barrera, and Tom Smith, the husband of another woman there, ended up sticking around. In the end, the group included nine women, two men, and one husband who only dropped off and picked up his wife. Out of these 12, eight were planning to spend the night, including Tamla. As people arrived and settled into the party, the woman watched some football and drank some alcohol while the two men watched football in the basement. During this time, Tamla, who was the only habitual smoker at the party, regularly stepped out to the balcony for cigarettes. She also smoked marijuana that evening, but Jean says she asked her to stop. According to Jean's own statement, she had teased Tamla during the conversation, calling her the quote-unquote female Bob Marley and reminding her that her boyfriend Jose worked as a pretrial officer and did not approve of such activities. Eventually, the men joined the party and the group played cards against humanity. Photographs and videos captured during the game show Tamla smiling and happy during all of this. Throughout the night, she had been drinking tequila, but according to photos, videos, and witness accounts, Tamla didn't appear particularly drunk that night. Guests who weren't spending the night began to leave around 11.30 p.m., while those who were staying trickled off to bed over the next couple of hours. According to witnesses, while others were sleeping, Tamla stayed up and went to the back porch around 2 a.m. to smoke a cigarette. It's reported at 7.30 a.m., John Meyer's aunt, who was attending the party, found Tamla lying face down on the ground and motionless under the second floor balcony. It was at 8.59 a.m., that Jean's boyfriend, Jose, called 911. In the 911 call, Jose Barrera said Tamla was lying face down and not breathing. He told the operator that there was a small cut on Tamla's wrist. He was suggesting that this cut may have been self-inflicted. In this call, there can also be a woman's voice on the call speculating that Tamla possibly fell from the balcony. Police arrived at the scene at 9.07 a.m. Based on police's initial observations that morning of November 4th, 2018, Tamla's husband, Leander, says he was told that investigators suspected she tripped over some garden edging, a hazard that John Meyer's aunt said she had also stumbled over in the past. But this theory was quickly thrown out after the autopsy report came in. In the initial investigation conducted by the Forsyth Sheriff's Office, the autopsy report stated that multiple blunt force injuries and a high blood alcohol level were discovered. Law enforcement speculated that her high blood alcohol level may have caused her to fall from the porch and that the multiple blunt force injuries 
were simply a result of the 14-foot fall from the second floor deck to where she was later found. Tamla had suffered blunt force trauma to the head, neck, and extremities, including a broken neck and dislocated wrist that were inconsistent with the slight fall. And she also had alcohol in her system at nearly three times the legal driving limit, according to the autopsy. This high blood alcohol level is typically associated with blackouts, loss of coordination, and even vomiting. Investigators also noted the door alarm log, as well as an unlit cigarette and lighter Jose Barrera said he found on the upper deck. So putting this all together, the investigators found that this evidence suggested Tamla went out for a cigarette sometime around 1.57 a.m. and accidentally fell to her death. However, Tamla's family and friends were not convinced with this theory. Tamla's sister-in-law, Terry, said, quote, The fact that she was a black woman, sadly, in a sea of people that weren't, might have something to do with why it wasn't more investigated, end quote. Not to mention, there were so many questions from the public and Tamla's family. How did a woman with that high of a blood alcohol level appear in control of her faculties, according to interviews as well as videos taken that night, yet managed to fall over a nearly four-foot railing and into the backyard? And how could a house full of people, some asleep for less than a half hour, not hear Tamla fall to her death right outside their windows? Tamla's family immediately called for a second independent autopsy. This independent autopsy was carried out by the Georgia Bureau of Investigations. According to the GBI medical examiner's report, Tamla sustained severe injuries to her head, neck, and torso. They also discovered cuts on her face, wrist, hand, and lower legs, as well as a laceration to the right ventricle of her heart. And the GBI toxicology screening found a blood alcohol level of 0.238 and traces of THC and alprazolam, which is an anxiety medication, at the time of her death. At this point, rumors about foul play were already circulating online. And this is in part because of something Jean Meyer's boyfriend, Jose Barrera, did that made the public very suspicious of him. At the time of Tamla's death, Jose Barrera was working as a court officer, but he was fired by the Forsyth County Court two months after Tamla died because he was caught accessing the incident report for her death internally on multiple occasions. This made him look really suspicious, prompting the public to believe that Tamla didn't die accidentally. According to a police interview transcript, when he was asked if he'd thrown Tamla over the deck, he replied, quote, no, I did not, end quote. But it left the public with so many questions, like why was Barrera so interested in Tamla's incident report? On February 21st, 2019, Attorneys representing Jose Barrera, John Myers, and some other party guests explained Barrera's actions as merely curiosity that got the better of him. They further stated, quote, Our clients are completely innocent. This was not murder. This was not anything other than a tragic accident, end quote. Maybe we could look past it if he only did it once, but he did it on multiple occasions. Also, if it was really an accident and you were confident about that, why would there be a need to check up on the investigation? It should be a shut and closed case, right? No questions, no curiosity. Tamla's case was officially closed on February 20th, 2019, and it was ruled as an accidental death. In an attempt to explain the ruling, 
Major Joe Perkins of the Forsyth County Sheriff's Office stated that none of Horsford's injuries aligned with foul play, saying, quote, It was a party. They were drinking. She was drinking. Most of the partygoers had gone to bed at that time, and she was on the deck alone, end quote. During the investigation, he had interviewed 30 people, including family, friends, and partygoers, and it led him to the conclusion that Tamla's death was a result of an accident. And so, for a while, Tamla's case kind of faded from the public's attention. That's until 2020, when the public had a renewed interest in the case. Her case became a topic of advocacy during the George Floyd anti-police brutality protests. On June 5, 2020, Ralph E. Fernandez, the Horsford's family attorney, wrote a letter to Tamla's husband, Leander Horsford, claiming that his team's investigation into the details of the case strongly suggested her death was a result of a homicide. In this letter, it said, in part, quote, Witness statements are in conflict. A potential subject handled the body as well as the evidence prior to law enforcement arriving. Evidence was disposed of, and no inquiry followed. The scene was not preserved, end quote. Mr. Fernandez also stated in the letter that Tamla's injuries were consistent with those of a physical struggle, but that the absence of photos from the initial autopsy prevented a definite conclusion. From this letter, it seems that the Horsford family's attorney, at the very least, found proof that the Forsyth Sheriff's Office did not accurately collect evidence and possibly compromised the investigation. This letter was actually published by an Atlanta journalist a few days later, and it introduced a new wave of public interest that prompted a second investigation into Tamla's death. On June 12, 2020, Forsyth County Sheriff Ron Freeman sent a letter stating, They stood by their work but were requesting that the case be reopened and investigated by the GBI. He stated that the investigation was best undertaken by an independent law enforcement agency. The GBI agreed to reopen the case on June 18, 2020. A year later, on July 28, 2021, the GBI concluded their reinvestigation, ultimately deciding not to pursue criminal charges. Forsyth County District Attorney Penny Penn stated, quote, There was no evidence that anyone else was responsible for Mrs. Horsford's death or that foul play was in any way involved. The facts overwhelmingly indicated that she died as the result of a tragic accident. Therefore, that concludes this office's involvement in the matter. End quote. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. From the start, Tamla Horsford's family and friends expressed concerns about how law enforcement handled the investigation. Forsyth County deputies repeatedly told them it would all make sense once they had access to their reports. But to Tamla's family and much of the public, the pieces still don't fit in the puzzle that is Tamla's untimely death. The theory that Tamla accidentally died from stumbling from the second-story deck under the influence of alcohol is plausible but her family said it only works in isolation from other facts. Tamla's good friend, Michelle Graves, has been picking apart Tamla's death investigation from the very start, and some things just never made sense for her. For example, she wants to know why no one tried to roll Tamla over to do CPR after discovering her outside. And not even the police tried CPR, and they even called off EMS, according to documents provided as part of the investigation. But there are so many more questions. The inconsistencies in reports is one of them. For example, the only one that is documented in the initial investigation to have touched Tamla's body is Jean Meyer's boyfriend. He declared her dead after touching or lifting her leg, depending on which report you read. Aside from the inconsistencies, the method Barrera used to check for life is peculiar. Why not just check for a pulse like a normal human being? Another question her family has is regarding the timeline of events. They still struggle to understand who did what when that night. Investigators said however Tamla died, it happened after 1.57 a.m. That's when, according to the security door alerts, the back door to the upstairs porch opened and never closed until Tamla's body was found. Witnesses from that night said it makes sense because that's shortly after Jean and the remaining guests went to bed and when Tamla went out on the back porch for her cigarette. But the family has raised questions about several door alerts leading to the garage just minutes earlier. According to the alerts, that door opened 17 minutes earlier at 1.40 a.m. and was also never closed. And this is important because this puts a damper on the idea that the timeline can be undoubtedly corroborated by the home security system. If a door was left open, Anyone could have walked through the door undetected by the security system at any point that night. The last person to see Tamla alive said they walked to the front door together. This detail matches with the front door chime at 1.47 a.m. The witness told police Tamla gave her a hug and shut the door. But the woman's husband who came to pick her up said his wife came to the door alone. This is another discrepancy in witness statements that has had the family confused and skeptical. Another question the family has is regarding the cause of death. 
Both the GBI medical examiner's report and the independent autopsy listed the cause of her death as multiple blunt force injuries. But Dr. Shaker, the forensic pathologist that examined Tamla's body after the GBI, said the dislocated wrist in the GBI's report is actually a compound fracture. And in the scene photos, a bone can be seen sticking out near her right wrist. This injury is significant because there was very little blood found at the scene, raising questions about where the injury occurred and whether it happened before or after her death. The little blood that can be found on Tamla's sleeve was actually on the opposite side of her injury. Tamla's father believes that the cut to her wrist was actually done after her death, saying, quote, I don't think she died with that cut. I think it was put there after the fact, end quote. This claim was supported by Dr. Shaker, as he called the injury in his report post-mortem. The GBI also listed a fracture in her spine. Dr. Shaker said it isn't a fracture at all, but that's not what really disturbed him about the report. It was more so what the GBI medical examiner did not find. According to the family attorney, quote, there is no evidence of any significant injuries to the skull and bones, end quote. And in his report, Dr. Shaker wrote that the absence of bruising to broken bones in her skull, quote, raises the flag to the cause of death as falling from the second story of a building, end quote. Let's talk about the questions the family has about the scene where Tamla's body was found. The homeowner, Jean Myers, said in conversations with police, she was trying to help the family by letting them see where Tamla died. She even shared her own theory of what happened. Initially, Jean was so convinced Tamla didn't fall from the top floor balcony that she went on social media to share her opinion about what happened. But even deputies at the scene seemed confused by Tamla's body position. Tamla was found lying flat, face first, almost underneath the balcony that police later ruled she fell from. And the position seemed even more odd to Jean and her boyfriend because they insisted both hands were by her side, palms up when they called 911. GBI officers asked Jean, the homeowner, if Tamla's arms were down by her side, to which she responded, quote, yeah, by her side, palms up, end quote. However, scene photos showed her left arm was actually off to the side. It was bent, and her palm was facing down with her fingers curled under. But two years later, one of the deputies had a moment of clarity and a possible theory of what happened. He had an explanation for how Tamla's arm position could have changed from what Jean Myers remembered seeing. In his initial report, he wrote, quote, I saw what appeared to be a deceased female, so I went inside and started questioning people, end quote. He gave no indication he touched or interacted with Tamla's body. But when the GBI kept asking questions about Tamla's arm, he stated he did take her pulse and in the process may have moved her arm. People believe that Tamla's death scene was never investigated or treated like a crime. For one, the GBI only took five photos, which is considered an unusually low number for a death investigation, according to some experts. But according to GBI policy, the number of photographs taken is at the discretion of the medical examiner, and these photos may include the body bag, the decedent's remains, an identification photograph, and injuries. However, the family attorney argued Tamla's injuries alone should have warranted more than five photos, but what the GBI actually documented remains unknown because the family attorney, Ralph Fernandez, says he's never seen these documents. 
Another cause for concern for the family is how evidence was collected. The Forsyth County Sheriff's Office called all the people who attended the party back to the house shortly after the 911 call was made. While getting statements, police did ask for photos and videos referenced to the party that night. But they didn't ask to take any of the devices to download the data. What's more, deputies did not ever subpoena the party guests' phones for records. That didn't happen until the GBI got involved. But by that time, records show at least two people had new phones, and detectives learned text messages and pictures on some of the other devices were long gone. Another concern, which I briefly mentioned earlier, is that Tamla's family said they believe race factors influenced the way deputies viewed the scene. According to U.S. Census data, only 4% of the county's population is Black, and her family believes that because Tamla was the only Black person at the party, she wasn't truly treated like a victim because the other party members were white. Forsyth County is located about 40 miles northeast of Atlanta and is a primarily white suburban region in the Atlanta metropolitan area. The only incorporated city in the county is Cumming, which attracts families to its large lots, annual county fair, and quaint downtown. It's also where Jean Meyer's house is located and where Tamla died. But according to reporting by Rolling Stone, Forsyth County as a whole has a deeply rooted history of animosity towards black people and was home to a racial cleansing back in 1912. When a black man was blamed for the rape of a white woman and another was blamed for the rape and beating of a different white woman who ended up dying from her injuries, white mobs descended on local black homes and businesses. In the end, the town's 1,098 black residents, approximately 10% of the population at the time, were driven out and for decades, the county remained entirely white. And as recently as 1990, there were only 14 black residents in the entire county. On top of the racial disparity in Forsyth County, there were reports that investigators in Tamla's case were participating in questionable behavior. For example, the lead investigator on the case, Michael Christian, has been accused of calling Tamla the quote-unquote porch lady and making derogatory racial remarks. However, Christian said his comments were taken out of context. This investigator, Mike Christian, actually ended up resigning his position with the sheriff's office in October 2020, amid an internal investigation that found he had shared sensitive information with the woman he was in contact with. That investigation found 26 emails containing sensitive information sent by Christian between May 2019 and September 2020 including several where Christian noted he was not supposed to share the information. But the sketchy behavior by law enforcement in Forsyth County doesn't end there. For example, current Forsyth County Sheriff's Office Deputy Coroner Chris Shelton was forced to resign in 2014 from a nearby police force after distributing photos of himself posing with racist mammy dolls. Just two years later, he appeared in Facebook photos for Sheriff Ron Freeman's 2016 campaign for sheriff. After Freeman won, Shelton was appointed deputy coroner for Forsyth County. According to social media posts, the deputy coroner also had connections to people who attended the party Tamla died at. He was also the deputy coroner at the time of Tamla's death. But putting race aside, the officers who responded actually had connections with some of the people inside the house, which could have altered how police investigated this case. On the body camera audio, you can hear one of the deputies walking another deputy through the different people at the scene, 
he mentions Jose Barrera. As we know, Jose Barrera was a court officer at the time for the Forsyth County court system. The deputy is heard saying in the video, quote, We've got some mutual friends together. I've known Jose for a while. We're friends. End quote. And if we know one thing, we know how much police officers tend to stick together. In the audio, you can also hear another woman from the party share concerns about getting to her new job on time. After explaining where she works, a deputy tells her, quote, I'm sure you're good because your boss is my wife, end quote. During the GBI's investigation, investigators also caught a few of the party attendees in what appeared to be a series of lies. One woman diagnosed with severe anxiety told police that her medication made it impossible for her to lie and that she is so dependent on her anxiety medication that she wore a necklace with Xanax in it. She told investigators that she understood it was a controlled substance and she would never share it with anyone. However, once the GBI subpoenaed the phones and started reading through the text messages, they found evidence that the woman had actually shared some of her medication at least twice with her friends prior to the party and with one friend on the day of Tamla's death. When confronted, the woman admitted it was true, but insisted she only shared her drugs because she knew the woman well. This woman did not know Tamla. But it is interesting that Tamla had Xanax in her system the night she died, and no one knows why or how it got in her system. Her case is officially closed. But that doesn't mean her family or the public will give up. There are petitions out there asking for people to sign to help get the FBI involved in her case. There are celebrities speaking out who believe that Tamla's death and the investigation into her death are suspicious. And there are people like me, in the true crime community, who believe her death was more than what it seems. I agree with those who believe Tamla's manner of death is suspicious and mysterious. I also think the way her case was handled was incredibly unprofessional by the Forsyth County Sheriff's Office. It feels like officers walked on that scene and just took everybody's word for what happened. I'm skeptical about the fact that Tamla was the only black person there and she ended up dead. I find it hard to believe that Tamla was drunk enough to fall over a second-story balcony, despite video footage showing she was fine. Also, how does one stumble over a four-foot-tall railing? That's a tall barrier to stumble over. And don't get me started on Jose Barrera and his persistence in reading the incident reports. Or the fact that one of the doors, an entryway into the house, was left open for a period of time. There are just too many things in this case that are unsettling and create suspicion. Maybe if there was just one thing about this case that made me skeptical, I could look past it. But it's harder to look past when it's one suspicious thing after another. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Lost Crimes Library podcast. If you enjoy the show, please show your support by leaving a rating and review on Apple and Spotify. Also, follow us on social media. You can find us on Instagram and TikTok at the Lost Crimes Library pod. Before you go, make sure you hit the follow button because new episodes drop every Wednesday and you won't want to miss it. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.